Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello. Well, we're back from a week off, but uh, we think we got a good one for you this week. It's the 1977 horror thriller, The Car. Wait a second. It's not the documentary about the Renault Model 5 in America, The La Car? No. Did you watch the wrong movie again? Oh, crap. I'll be back in about 90 minutes. Hold on. All right. Hold on. We'll pause. And we're back. Yes. All right. So you've seen the movie now, Todd. Yes. Thanos is uh, Thanos' dad, uh, Brad from Coney's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Robocop. The 1977 yeah. horror thriller, The Car, starring the Car. James Brolin, Kathleen Lloyd, and uh, the Richard sisters. Yes. Yeah. Kylie and um, Kylie and uh, oh crap! How did I forget her name already? Um, Kim. Kim. Thank you. Yeah, both, uh, both, both, uh, both uh, John Carpenter, you know, actresses. Um, now, is it pronounced Kylie or is it pronounced Kyle? I always hear Kylie, but I, I, I mean, I'm going to say Kylie because that's what I always hear. Because Kyle's, a, but it's spelled Kyle. It definitely is. Yeah, it's just spelled K Y L E. But I'm, I'm, I've always heard it as Kylie. But yeah, I, I, I could be assuming wrong all of this time. Well, not that it matters. But as you were saying, yeah, this is right bet- between each of them appearing in a John Carpenter movie. Kim Richards would have done Assault on Precinct Thirteen prior to this, and we know how that worked out. And uh, Kylie would be doing Halloween just after this movie. Yeah. And she had a she 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 made out better in her movie. Well, yeah, because not only should be make it out better, she got to come back for a sequel. Yeah, this is right. That's right. So, the car, the car is basically a cross between well, two movies that uh, Steven Spielberg had made very successful: The yes. Duel, or I should just say, it's Duel and Jaws, melded together to bring us. The car. Yeah, when we when we were watching it, you did say this is like Jaws on land, which I'd say it's a pretty apt. I think I'd say that's an apt description. I mean, it's not it's not the blockbuster that Jaws was, but it's it's yeah, I'd say that feels about right. Jaws on land. Yeah, I mean, and and you know the the tagline is is it a phantom, a demon, or the devil himself? No, There's no way to run, no I, way I, to hide, no way to stop the car. Um, apparently it's a modified Lincoln Continental, um, Mark III that was designed by the guy who designed the Batman TV series Batmobile, right? George Barris. George Barris. Also responsible for the, um, Munsters, Dragula. No kidding. Yeah. He did a lot of, he did a lot of car customization and whether or not he personally did all of those customizations or his shop, did his shop it, yeah. I, I guess is up for debate, but I'm sure he had a hand in designing all of it. Sure. I mean, when we say like, Oh, you know, Rob Botin effects, we, it's his team, you know, or, or, um, you know, Savini it's, it's the, it's the team, but it's basically, I mean, they're the ones doing the training. So it's essentially, it's their essence. Yes. So as we said, this is where, where Jaws was a shark uh, terrorizing a beachside community. This is a car terrorizing a desert town in yes. the, the American Southwest. And 
whether it's some sort of phantom ghost or the devil, well, we never really find out. It's obviously we, we, we do get the clues that it is supernatural, but the right. whys and wherefores of what's going on are, are never explained. So when if you've never seen this movie and you decide to watch for it, don't ex- just expect some, some chaos and uh, car chases. Well, yeah, there's some car chases as more as if it's the car chasing people but uh it's it's a fun this is a fun cheesy 70s style horror thriller yeah like it doesn't carry the same weight as jaws does but it's an effective movie uh and it's a very it's it's an unusual one they don't make them quite like this anymore i i would think if this was to be remade it would be a little bit I don't know if goofier or sillier is the word that I'm looking for, but I think it might be a bit more self-aware. Um, and, and it probably would still be a really good movie. Like uh, when I was reading some of the contemporary reviews of this, you know, many of them were like, it's, you know, it's almost a parody, but it's not. And like, I, I could see this, it's not necessarily a parody, but something with a bit more like, um, I, I don't know, energy to it. Because this movie plays it very straight and fairly subdued. Um, well, sort of like Jaws or even like a Halloween or something. You could, in fact, take the exact same story and film this as a parody. Right, right. Or at least a, you know, a, a more self-aware. Performances and some of the dialogue. and Yeah, yeah. like like who who um, uh, who directed Feast? Oh, Feast, uh, Gulag- uh, John Gulager. Oh, oh Gulager's his... son, but yeah. I can't remember his first name. Like I could see it being directed by him or like an Eli Roth or something where it's, it's obviously, it'd be a bit bloodier, you know, uh, there, there would probably be more things, you know, the, the car running over things more often and, and stuff like that. And I think it would actually probably be fine, but what is different about this movie and what I appreciate about this movie for better or for worse is it's trying to play it very serious. And, and, and also if they did it today, you know, they would come up with some sort of explanation for all of it. Yeah. Right. They, they wouldn't Whether do. It was... It was a ghost, a guy's ghost out for revenge, sort of like the Wraith or right. a serial killer crazed guy behind the wheel like Duel or a haunted car like Christine or a comet flying by like Maximum Overdrive. Right. Like this is almost the anti-Wraith. Uh, it's really almost the exact opposite story of the Wraith. <laughs> But it's also very similar in 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 how it and and how it tells what it's telling. Um, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention that. I mean, to me, if you're going to watch this movie, it's a tough it's a tough call to say whether or not you should watch the trailer because if you do watch the trailer, in my opinion, they kind of give away a lot. But at the same time, the trailer does an effective job in telling you what you're about to see. Yes, I mean it's like we said it's it's a mystery it's it's essentially a monster movie just like Jaws is essentially a monster movie where yeah, yeah I would say the so. monster is some sort of well it's the car it's yeah like you like you pointed it's it's definitely supernatural um you know the 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 well I, I guess we'll get to it yes the movie begins pretty quietly we get some and this is. If you like scenic views of the American Southwest, you do get several of those in this movie. It yeah. is very well shot, and you, you get some great vistas of, you know, canyons and buttes and, and, and the desert and canyons. In fact, the opening takes place on a scenic overpass that would be very pleasant if two young people right. weren't unfortunately being horribly killed. 
Right, right. Like if you're you're a Western fan, so I could definitely see how like obviously this isn't a Western, but I could definitely see how like aesthetically it's very evocative and, and interesting. Well, you know, again, there's some similarities to a Western where you have a you know sure. a, a sheriff or a lawman, a man in black, as it were, defending his town against some phantom against some stranger that's come in uh, to kill people. I mean, yeah, the stranger that literally well drives, I guess, not rides, and it's all in black. So yeah. You even get some of like the you even said you know I mean you get a lot of the townsfolk which almost have yeah I, I, yeah yeah so the the movie opens with you know two uh, they they look like they're a little older than I mean uh, they're I, in their late teens right it's like always hard to tell because usually they're cast older than what right. they're playing I'm assuming like I just assumed they're movie teenagers which means they're like 27 or so. And they're, you know, on their, they're on their bikes and they're, they're biking along the road across along this, this Canyon road with some scenic overlooks when the car comes roaring up behind them and, and basically knocks them both, you know, one at a time off the road into these deep canyons, killing them. Yep. And, and, and I'll just state early, like if, if horror movies aren't necessarily your thing, like this is not a gory movie, not remotely. So uh, it's a movie that could now be on TV with basically no editing, like Saturday morning. Yes, a lot is implied. Like they never really show like obviously these, you know, especially the, the, the kid that's run off the bridge into a very deep, deep canyon into the rocks would would not leave behind a pleasant looking corpse. And, and right. that's played off mostly by the actors seeing it we don't see it we see the actors reaction to it which is of course like i can't even you know yeah and and we'll get to something else shortly but there these two characters are killed and the car goes roaring off and then we get a little scene where we're, they're establishing that there's this and it's it's not a tiny little town it's a small town by most standards but it's spread you know, out. It's, yeah, it's but it's also obviously it's big enough to have its own school system. Right. A police force of at least 20 officers. Yeah. So it's it's um it's a large a large enough community though it is isolated. Yep. And we meet not the sheriff, but James Brolin is obviously one of the second in command of the police force of this town. And we're introduced to him and his girlfriend, played by Kathleen Lloyd. And it's never established whether we assume he's widowed. Yeah, it's, it feels like that's always how it goes in the 70s. Like, yeah, uh, divorce being so taboo. I, I, you feel like it's always like a widow or a widower. Yeah. But he's got two daughters, played by Kim and Kylie Richards. Who are awesome. And <laughs> they were like, a, yeah. And, yeah. And you really get that 70s single father vibe that you would get in some of those sitcoms, you know, with the. You know, they all get along very well and, you know, he loves them and they love him and they're they're kind of happy with their lives. But I, I was just going to say the same, like the scenes with him and, you know, Kathleen Lloyd and those kids. It always feels like Disney movie-esque. And I mean that in a good way. Like it's an interesting contrast to what the film actually is. You could cut some of these scenes together into the opening of a 70s sitcom. 
Totally. Yeah. You know, totally. you play that jaunty, you know, peppy music in front of it and introducing all of them. Well, especially the whole scene, like right after, uh, well, I don't know if it's right after the murder or not, or if it happens just after, but when you first really see Brolin and Kathleen Lloyd and the two kids, like, yeah, it's straight up out of a, it's straight up out of a Disney. And again, I mean that in a good way is to set up, you know, the lighter side of things to sort of give you, you know, the, the sinister to, to, to have like the sinister backdrop looming over it. And they're really good scenes. Yes, and it's basically implied that they're welcome you know, scenes, well, you know. And in a, in a horror movie, sometimes that kind of takes you out, but this is still early enough in it. It's an effective way of setting up characters you're supposed to care about. Yes, and, and while it's obvious James Brolin and Kathleen Lloyd are dating, it's also kind of obvious that they're trying not to flaunt it in front of his 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 daughters, right? And because she, she's one of their teachers as well, she's she's one of the school teachers. And you know, the, the, you get the little scene, and it's you know, it's it's charming it's and, cute, yeah. and all that. And then you know, after Kathleen Lloyd leaves, you see him getting his girls ready for school, and you get that little scene where the, the girls are like, you know, if she's gonna be our new mommy, we're okay with that. You know, we right. know, you know, we know we miss mom, and you miss mom, and you know, but. They also want to be like, you know, it's still going to be us, right? Right. Like, that's a cute scene when she's like, do you like the way I've acted? Like, it all depends on what time frame you're in and what mind frame you're in when you're hearing her list these things off. It's either like, damn, or it's like, all right, I get it, or it's cute, or it's all of the above. But she's listing off like, you know, you like it when I cook, right? And, and you like the way I clean the house, you know? She wants to make sure that, like, it, it, you know, they're not going to be forgotten. Yes. Or nothing's yes. going to change anyway. And again, very 70s, he gathers both of them up on the back of his motorcycle yes. and drives them off to school. Yeah. Well, they got helmets. He, they've got helmets, but, yeah. you know, he can't have a helmet over that hair. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. no. He's, he is... got some, he's got some spectacular 70s man hair. Oh, really? And the mustache? Like, he is, he is, the, he is a walking embodiment of the 70s in this. Um, it's a very good time capsule movie. Yeah. So shortly after, so right after this, we cut again to a house that is right on the edge of the town, yep. occupied by Amos and his poor wife. His poor wife, his poor, and, poor wife. and yeah, Amos is is a bastard. Oh yeah, Amos is played by R.G. Armstrong, a very famous character actor. You you would have seen him in. Um, He's in he's in a John Wayne western the the one I talk about all the time El Dorado. Okay. He's uh he plays the I was say a John Wayne western. I mean, you're going to have to narrow it down. <laughs> well, he plays he's actually a good guy in that one. Oh, okay. But in here, yeah, he's he's kind of a bastard, which just shows how good of an actor he is cuz it's almost like like he's so good at being a bastard like I can't imagine him being a good guy. You know? Like, like sometimes an actor can be too good that they get typecast and you'll never see anything else. And I'm not saying he was because I honestly didn't know much about him except for this movie. Yeah, he's so good that it's it's hard to imagine him as anything other than this character. Well, he does play this type of character, you know. A lot. <laughs> yeah, he kind of has the same character in, um, uh, what was the, I just watched the, the sequel to it with Burt Reynolds, uh, White Lightning. Oh, yeah. He plays a similar character in White Lightning. Okay, and he can be very intimidating. He's he's one of those. He's not he's, a small dude. No, no. Yeah. But he's he, he's got he, like he's he looks like he's got that like old man strength where right. yeah yeah, like you know you think you're gonna pick on him at the bar and then he gets up and right. crap out of everything. Like yeah, he's already been through like three wars or something. Yeah, 
Yeah. So uh, in this movie, he is unfortunately an abusive husband. Yes. A loudmouth jerk and a drunk. Yep. And we're introduced to him as he is unfortunately beating on his wife. Right, or at and, least at least about to. Like, I mean, he's 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 agitated about something, and he's screaming at his wife. And um, yeah, like when he drags her out, it's it's like yeah, when he drags her out, and the and the guy like you know hitchhiking outside, the one he's, you know, he's now he's play. I'm sorry, go ahead. Did I, did I did I jump in front of you? Well, but yeah, I was basically just outside. There's the there's a kid along the road. You know, obviously again, college age. Yeah, hitchhiking, playing a French horn, and you know. It's actually fortunate for his wife that he's there. Not that R.J. Armstrong's character of Amos is afraid to beat his wife in front of anybody. Right. But he's a distraction because Amos turns his anger onto this kid. Like, what are you doing? Because the, even the kid is like, I don't think you should be hitting that lady like that. And I just love his resp- his response, which is just, she's my wife. It's like, are you saying that it's okay because she's your wife? Or... This is not just some lady. This is my wife. Well, but again, unfortunately, that's just the way. You just don't you know. know. That's the scary. Yeah, that's the scary. And that's that's, that's one of the ways like they set up the character so well. It's just that you already know he's a jerk, right, for what he's doing. But then just, yeah, he's, that's my wife. And the way he says it, you feel like he's saying it in the way that, oh, it's okay, she's my wife. Like, it's my, I'm allowed to, you know. It's pretty, it's pretty horrible. Yeah, like, she's my property. I'll do what, right. what I want. Right, right. It's so, yeah. Yeah, and he threatens the kid, tells him to get the heck out of there, and the kid's like, "Well, I got his my thumb to hitchhike," and he's like, "I want you gone," and then he drags his wife back in the house, and well, unfortunately, it isn't long before there's a vehicle he spots on the road coming his way, mm-hmm. and the hitchhiker starts fantasizing how it's going to be like this, you know, this <laughs> lonely middle-aged woman who's rich and is looking for a boy toy, and you know. Puts out his thumb to hitch, but as uh, as is obvious to anybody who's listening to this podcast, even if they've never seen this movie before, of course, the vehicle that is that is coming is the car. The car. And it races. The kid dives out of the rain, races past him. But that's when the kid, you know, unfortunately decides to flip the bird to the car and, and tell worse, the car off. And it, Well, and worse yet, the way he tells the car is something like up your ass with a splintered fiddle, which you don't say that to the devil. He's been to Georgia. He's probably still sore about that. Well, and, and again, we, we, we can point out that at this point, we don't know whether this is. Yeah. And they never actually in the car. They never or, truly say, but there's enough clues yet. No. And that's when the car decides to um, run over. Spoiler, I guess, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> Run over and over and over and over. And Amos witnesses this and he calls the police. And Amos is a, is a complicated character. Definitely. And as we mentioned, he's played by R.G. Armstrong and he's my Whit Thistle Award winner for the movie. Same, yeah. I'm packing I'm piggybacking off of I'm piggybacking off of that. Him and his wife, really. I mean the the uh Doris Dowling as Bertha, she doesn't really get to say much or do much, but she she plays her part really well. Yes. Um and unfortunately like her not being able to say or do much is kind of the point when you compare her to her husband. Um, but such as it is, I, I kinda wanna give it to both of them because the, the two of them play well together. 
So the car kills the hitchhiker and then goes roaring off into the desert. And the police arrive, which, which you know, as we mentioned, is James Brolin. There's, uh, oh, James Brolin, we should mention there's the deputy played by Ronnie Cox. Yes. Who's basically James Brolin's, um, you know, best friend. And there's some, there's some uh, mention that he's also a recovering alcoholic where he's, you know, fighting his own his own little demons, but he's been sober for a little bit. And then there is the, the sheriff, their boss, Everett Peck, played by John Marley. And they arrive on the scene to investigate. And we see the ambulance there to collect the body. And the way we're clued into how, bad the body is you see one of these guys carrying a shovel which is the meme by the way but then you literally see it yeah he's walking he's walking over with a shovel yeah so not not a good sign scoop up what's left and that's when which you know again you never see like 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 matt had already explained you know the car runs him over backs up runs him over like several times and then of course they have to clean him up with the shovel but that's how you know how bad it is like you assume it's bad because the car is backing over him but you don't really it's not like you see the body getting worse or blood flying everywhere and then later yeah with the shovel which i I don't know I, i think that's a bit more effective than just you know special effects fest but that's that's me yeah, and so this is where the police start to be informed that, okay, there's a car out there, you know, running people down, and they're immediately start, you know, putting up roadblocks to try to find this based on the description given by Amos, who even says, like, there wasn't a driver's license. I mean, there, not a driver's license. License plate, a yeah. License plate on the car. Um, in short order, they find the two victims from the beginning of the film as well, and that's when they realize that there's a real problem you know, in the town. Mm-hmm. We got to a little bit later that night and uh, Amos's wife, Bertha, is in the station and Sheriff Emmett's talking to her because he knows Amos is a wife beater. And at the time, I mean, the law has only been changed recently, but if she's not willing to file a complaint, there's nothing they can do. Right, and he also knows her. It's 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 mentioned a little bit later, but he knew her from like high school or something. Yes, they, they dated in date. high school, yeah. and you know he was very fond of her, and he wants to get her out of this relationship. But you know she's she doesn't want us. She doesn't want to talk, and she doesn't want to press charges. Right. So the scene ends with her going back out with Amos, and Everett having a little chat with uh, James Brolin, and. You know, saying, you know, how again, he explains, you know, he hates to see the situation, but, you know, let's our shift is over. Let's go get a drink. Yep. And he's like, yep, I'm in. And Everett heads out the police, heads out the door and into the street. And he stops to see, look at Amos and his wife getting in the car and he's all upset. And once again, the car appears, appears out of the darkness and it looks like it's about to run over Amos, but it swerves around Amos and runs down Sheriff Everett in front of everybody and goes again careening off into the darkness. Right. It's a strange it's a strange scene in at least if you haven't seen the movie yet, and that yeah, it makes an effort to not hit Amos, which is interesting. Yes. And the Amos even points out that he you know, I thought the car was coming out right at me, and it was, but it swerved around me to kill Everett. And this is where, like, again, as we will see, Amos, 
Amos Lanz is a complicated character, right? But and, and as hostile as he is, he's, he's not hostile st- with the police. He's not strictly evil either. He's he's not, and he's not dumb. He doesn't. No, he doesn't hold back any information, or you know, he's he cooperates. He's belligerent. Yes, is uh, yeah in a word. He's belligerent. Yeah, you know, if he wasn't a nice a wife beater, you could almost forgive the guy somewhat, right? And there's also a witness, uh, uh, a Native American woman who who also witnesses. So they, when they have her in and they're questioning her, one of the one of the uh, the sheriff's deputies, um, uh, Chaz, who's played by what do we say, Eddie Little Sky? Eddie Little Sky Denson, yeah, yeah. Um, he's interviewing the woman because she only speaks um, her the her the the native language of her people. Yeah, and I I couldn't tell you what tribe that would be. <laughs> and as he's repeating it to, to as Chaz is translating what she's saying to James Brolin, he obviously leaves something the old lady says out. Yeah, like any little sky, he's Lakota, but that's the other side of the country, so I couldn't tell you what tribe he's supposed to be in. Yeah. So. Shortly after this, the police secretary, who's also uh, Native American, says to James, what the little old lady said was, there was no driver in the car. Nobody was driving in the car. And so they, kind of, of course, kind of, you know, blows that off. And, you know, they, they start, again, investigating and setting up low boxes. They want to find this guy who they're assuming is a serial killer. Yeah. Well, now we get to the point of the movie that is the equivalent of the Fourth of July attack on in Jaws. Yeah, I'd say so. When you know the the town is preparing for a celebration, and the high school marching band is preparing for a parade, and we get uh, Kathleen Lloyd, who, as we pointed out, was a teacher. Um, her friend Maggie, who is also the wife of Ronnie Cox's character. They're, they're doing a practice for the parade on the parade grounds at the school. Well, the car attacks and it comes roaring out of the desert again. And it's really well done. We, it's we, a cool we, scene. You know, it shows them, you know, marching and the teachers trying to like get, you know, the legs up and play your instruments and come on, we want to, this is about pride. We want everybody to be, you know, and there's a sheriff's deputy there, you know, on hand and he's kind of up in a well, lookouts nest basically, and you see off in the distance, you know, a glint of obviously what's the sun glinting off the windshield of the car, right? And the dust like kicking up, and yeah, and the car comes roaring in, and you know the teachers are doing everything they can do to gather up the kids and get them out of the way. There's a bunch of um, cowboys on horses who are obviously part of the parade ceremony that do everything they can to try to distract the car which is which is it's an interesting scene like if you're you know if you're cynical you'd be like oh what are they going to do with the horses but it is it really is interesting how they try how they try to get its attention draw it away from the kids so they can get them time to run away it's it's, again, it's a pretty cool scene and the whole time i'm just worried about the horses because that's who i am <laughs> there's no reason for them to believe this isn't just some maniac sitting in his car sure like until Trying now there's absolutely no over. reason right until now there's absolutely no reason to believe that um to not believe rather there's yeah there's just some serial killer who's using his car to kill people and as the kids are you know as the 
the teachers are trying to get the kids away. They, you know, start running uphill and apparently the town cemetery isn't far from the school. Right. Right. And they all run into the fence because the cemetery is also fenced in. Right. So they all run in there and the car chases them and it comes to an immediate halt right at the gates of the cemetery. Yes. And, and now you get a really, you get probably the best look you will ever going to get of the car. Um, in the movie, and it does look it, it looks perturbed by this. <laughs> it's revving its engine. It's it's almost like a, a vicious dog on a chain. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's like a monster movie, like I said, yeah. And it's got them all trapped in this little and circulated, and that's when Kathleen Lloyd starts to try to distract it. It's a fun again, scene. as far as she knows, calling out to the driver, you know, trying to belittle him, and like, why don't you get out of that car? I'd like to see what you what you like, you know. Oh, you're big and tough in the car. And she plays it extremely well. Right. You know, balancing between, you know, confidence and terror. Yes. Yeah. You can tell she's quite afraid. But as as she's able to say more and more and the car is not doing anything, you can see her gaining a little bit of confidence in it, um, thinking that it must be working to some extent or else. Yeah, they'd all be dead by now. And I also got to say, who whoever the, the the crew member is driving the car. He does an excellent job of making that car just jerk to a stop like there's something, some sort of force holding it back. Yeah, who, whoever drives this car is able to figure out how to, I mean, I guess the car itself, the, the design of the car itself helps a great deal. But yeah, whoever's driving the car, like, it, I don't know, it just, it does feel malevolent. You would, um, well, and the thing is, like, in this scene, as it, as it can't cross you that. You can tell it's pissed. <laughs> yes, but also as, as it can't cross that and, you know as it's revealed or again this we're never told for sure but no. the assumption is this thing can't enter the hallowed ground of the cemetery right like ronnie cox pretty much makes that illusion later on but you would almost expect the car to come to like almost a skid mm-hmm. but it stops i mean yes. it stops like there's an invisible wall holding it back right so while they're just Kathleen Lloyd's distracting it, Maggie gets, you know, away and is able to call in the police to say, you know, the car is here. It's got the kids trapped. And this is the police, you know, the police get the, and they're like, Oh, we know where it is. Some of them go rushing to the school, to the cemetery to, to help the kids and others go rushing to set up roadblocks. Yep. And the car goes, you know, roaring off. We, we, the, they get to, so the kids are okay. You know, the police get there in time. And right, the like, car takes the, off. The car takes off. And one of the sheriff's deputies out on one of the roads spots the car coming towards them. And he starts, you know, calling in like, yeah, it's coming right at me. And. James Brolin gives him the order, like, you go ahead and take him out when you get the chance. And right, he, he's got a shotgun, he's behind the car, he's braced, he's ready to go. He fires on the car. The car. And nothing happens, so he assumes he misses. The car turns around to get away, the sheriff, the deputy goes in pursuit, and they're pursuing him up the mountain road, and he's like saying, I got him now because there's no way back down from this mountain, and you guys better hurry up and get here to back me up if you want a piece of this guy. And just as he goes around a blind corner, the car has mysteriously turned, not only turned around uh, 180, but has been waiting for him. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's not exactly a jump scare, scare but it's startling. 
yeah and if you've if you've watched the wraith or listened to the episode or whatever like it's a it's it's you could i, I don't know if the wraith straight up copied it but it's basically the the move that the wraith would use yes get ahead of you until you know they're in the blind spot and then suddenly there and to, to to force you to crash into it yeah and the car for a second toys with this deputy before eventually pushing him the car and and the police car off the cliff it's a really tense scene yeah that's a good scene and then you know as the the deputy's backup arrives the car starts racing towards them down this long highway and what seems like a game of chicken and these four cops in two cars each in two cars and they've got the road essentially blocked (laughs) as they're coming side by side up this you know, like the car will have no choice but to go through them. And that's exactly what the car does. Yes. And not only does it, it doesn't go directly, it actually like jumps turns yeah. so that it will tumble sideways and take, and it takes out both police cars in spectacular fashion. The car, yeah, the car obviously has some sort of intelligence and even personality, as we'll find out. That's when the car comes face to face with James Brolin on his motorcycle and the car stops. Right. And this is again, it's like this is a what its motivation. It's obviously screwing with James Brolin. Because James Brolin takes some shots at it, nothing happens. Uh it pretends like it's gonna open its door a little bit and James Rowland starts approaching the door and he notices there's no de- door handles. There's no real features on this car. No, just pretty much the front is most of what you see. And it's very low in the back. And as he gets up to the driver's side door, the door swings open and knocks James Rowland on his butt. Yeah, it's kind of a funny scene, actually. It, it is a little ridiculous. And James Rowland. Especially then... for as much time as he takes in the hospital later. It's like, dude. Yes. James Rowland then passes out and the car kind of basically vanishes right you know eerie noise and yeah and it's like you know obviously the car could have taken out james brolin no problem but it's messing with him it would you'd think yeah right because exactly like he just took he just drove through a roadblock he'd have no problem with this bicycle uh, motorcycle and uh, james brolin with his little revolver yeah and again it would be you know like as we already mentioned, there's never real any explanation for what the car is or why it's doing this. And, you know, one of the... I mean, you only get clues. Clues that kind of point to a pretty evident conclusion, but again, well, they don't say it. They don't yeah, actually say let's, it. Let's just say this is a demon. Why is it particularly focused on screwing with James Brolin? Right. Like, why does it care about James Brolin or this town in particular? Like, is exactly. It revenge? Like, what's the deal? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Brolin's in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, he got Some knocked. The... He got knocked away by a car, fell on his ass, and now he's in the hospital, like in the bed, like he was just shot point blank with a shotgun or something. Some of the deputies are there, and Kathleen Lloyd's there, and she's like, "All right, I'm gonna go to my house and pick up some clothes, and then I'll go stay with your girls." And he's like, "Yeah, that'll be great, thank you." And he has um, Chaz, Eddie, little little Sky, you know, take her home and stay with her, and then bring her to my house. So. Chaz is driving uh, Kathleen Lloyd home and he brings her home 
And he gets, you know, he's actually talking about his family a little bit. And, and Kathleen was like, well, when I go inside, why don't you go ahead and check on your family? Come back, pick me up in 15 minutes. Right. Because she's going to gather stuff to go be somewhere for a while. So it's going to take a little while. It's, it's, it's actually pretty nice of her. So he pulls away. And that's what, and, and we should have mentioned, like, before the car arrives, but not in the first two scenes where the car arrives, but in later scenes, like a, a wind. Yes. will pick up in the area. And that's what begins to happen as Chaz drives away. There's all of a sudden that that bizarre wind and she goes running into the house scared and as Chaz drives by and it was like apparently the car was there hiding. Which, yeah, which it seems to be able to materialize more or less out of nowhere unless it has some rules that it's never established. It's kind of, It's also kind of a strange scene. Which again makes you wonder is like whatever intelligence is doing this just has its own weird sense of humor. Sort of like uh, to use, you know, my favorite movie, Halloween, sort of like Michael Myers. Like, yes, he was a killer, but he also had like this weird personality to him in the way that he did things specifically. Like, he had a flair. Um, it almost seems like the car has that same sort of motivation. Like, it doesn't just want to kill and be evil, it also wants to be. Um, I don't know what the word is. Mischievous, yeah. Like it's 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 almost trying to tell you like an awful joke in a way. It's 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 interesting, and it's you know because there's no reason for it to have needed to wait for Chaz to leave. Totally, could have just killed him right then and there on the road. Yeah. Was it scared of Chaz? Is there a balance of good and evil that the car has to? I'm sorry, the car has to abide by. That's my guess. That's that's my takeaway. Yeah, that that's my takeaway. Is that because like how 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 good you know again in in, in this movie's terms uh, a particular person is? Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard. Like that's either that's a plus to this movie or a flaw. It's hard to say. So Kathleen Lloyd, who is now terrified, she's in her house calling to James Brolin in the hospital, saying how you know the wind picked up, just like when the car the car attacked the car. earlier, and. You know, she's scared. And you see out the window behind her, the flashlights approaching in the distance. It's a cool And the cow's getting rowder. And she's on the phone and she's scared and she can hear the engine. And, oh, my God. But And the car comes crashing through the house, killing her. Yes. Which, again, just shows, like, Chaz wouldn't have been a problem. No. No, certainly while they were in the car, right? Like, if you can just drive through a house, um, running them off the road shouldn't have been an issue. I mean, he had no problem taking out two cops before the key, the car, the car, had no problem taking out two cops before as it was, like, flipping over their roadblock. So, yeah. Cut to now Chaz, Ronnie Cox, and Wade are all, you know, at the house, you know, that's, you know, got those huge holes in it. Car size hole in it, yeah. You know, uh, James Rowland's obviously upset. And this is one of the things, again, one of the things where I give this movie points because Chaz is obviously very upset that he wasn't there. You know, his job was to drop her off and wait and be with Kathleen Lloyd. And as he's apologizing to James Brolin, James Brolin, in most movies, James Brolin's character would scream at Chaz, where were you? I right. told you to protect her. I told you. No, in this movie, he says, 
Chaz, if you'd been here, you'd just taken you. There's obviously nothing you could have done. And sure. had you been here, he'd have just taken you out too. Sure. Like if I can go through a house and keep going, that is the logical conclusion. Like what could you have possibly done? Which and it's it works and it's it's quite refreshing. And this is where Ronnie Cox, who we had established earlier, does teach a Bible class on Sundays, starts, this is where he starts, this is the devil, you know, it came after, it came after Kathleen Lloyd because she taunted it, she was special, that's why it came through the house to get her, you know, it couldn't get her while she was on hallowed grounds, this is some sort of evil, you know, force, some supernatural thing. Well, James Rowland isn't quite sure whether or not he believes that, but he does decide he's got to come up with some sort of plan to deal with this car because it's just going to keep going. Yeah. Right. And, and no normal means are going to stop it. Mm -hmm. So they go get Amos who runs the, he seems to be a contractor or something, but he's got, he's got tons of explosives, which imply he probably works in a quarry or something. Yes, he has access to dynamite. So they go get him, and they don't really tell us the plan, but they've obviously discussed the plan that they're going to use. They're going to lure the car out into the canyons, and basically blow up the the canyon so it's buried under all this rock. And he's going to be the bait. Seems fair. So, as the deputies, you know, about 10 or 12 of the deputies and Amos go get the dynamite and start driving out to the desert to prepare the trap. James Brolin is getting his motorcycle ready and he's in his garage. This is Maggie cool. Ronnie Crox's wife is up with the girls. And as he's working on, you know, getting his bike motorcycle ready for this chase. He turns around and the car just appears behind him in the garage. It's just there. Yeah, it's wicked creepy. And again, it's not so much a jump scare as much as it is a shock. It, it's very well played out in film. And again, the car is just messing with him. It could obviously take James Brolin out at any second that it wants to. But no, it's, the whole family, it, everyone. Yeah. yeah, it's screwing with them. And Brolin's able to escape. He gets on his motorcycle and you know, leads the car on a chase into the desert while the deputies and Amos are preparing their trap with the explosives. And well, I guess there's really, you know, there's, there's some exciting scenes, it's, it's, uh, but basically, you know, as... as The, the final is, is good, but it's a little harried, yeah. Yeah. It's well, a little hard again, to describe because it's very hard. Like, they're trying to get the car. They're trying to, like, corral it. They're trying to escape from it. And they're trying to get it into position so they can blow it up. There's always something like, you know, like, oh, the guy trips and slips down right. the hill while they're trying to place the dynamite. This is happening too fast. They can't place all the charges. Oh, I dropped the spindle. Get the spindle so we can wire right. the dynamite together. Pretty much every trope you can think of. Yeah. I mean, you've seen, with... even if you haven't seen this movie, you've certainly seen this scene before and other things. Yeah. And what's again, what's interesting is the character of Amos, who we've established as a belligerent, wife beating jerk, is very invested in helping and making sure this plan. He, he's, you know, he's one of the team as he is. far as yep. what's going on. You know, even to the point where when he slips and falls and they go to help him, he's like, no, just forget about me. Get the spindle. We got to get the dynamite ready. Right. 
So, again, it chases Brolin into the dead end canyon, which is the plan. And as Brolin's supposed to be pulled up from the rope, while the rope gets caught, so now Brolin has to climb hand over hand while the 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 car is, you know, like a like a tiger trapped in this this pit. And that's when the the, the car is like, "Well, screw this! I'm going to drive up the mountain and kill everybody." And uh, I, the the deputies are portraying the dynamite. Ronnie Cox and and James Brolin are standing on the edge of the cliff. The car is coming. The car is coming directly at them, and Brolin basically plays chicken with them, and you know Holden Ronnie Cox is like, "No, let's get out of the way." Well, they scatter, you know, dive out of the way at the last second. The car goes careening over the cliff, crashing into the canyon. They set off the explosions. There is a massive blast, and a demonic face appears in the explosion. It's pretty epic. I mean, I guess it depends. I mean, you could look at it in two ways. You could be like, "Oh, geez, I think it's pretty epic. I think it's pretty sweet." That would have been that would have been uh, interesting as hell to see on the big screen. Like, we would have loved this in the theater. And you could tell it's more than just the explosion of the dynamite. There's some oh, sure. sort of demonic force unleashed yeah. by this blast, almost like serpentine kind of face, like hissing at them. It's actually it's really it's very hard to describe, but it's really metal. It's a very cool scene. And it's something you would have painted on the side of your, your van totally. in the 70s. Oh, totally, totally. It's a very, very metal, very cool effect, yeah. And then even, like, so even after that, James Brolin doesn't really want to hear it. And Roddy Cox like, you saw, did you see in the right. fire? It was there. It's like, whatever. And, you know, all the deputies. And this is the other kind of surprising thing is that all the deputies and Amos who were involved survived the final encounter. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty high, know, pretty high uh, survival rate for a for a horror movie. Yeah, again, in the movie today, it would be taken out each one of the deputies as you know. Oh, and and Brolin would have had to like sacrifice himself in order to kill the car, or at the very Cox least, would yeah, have, someone or, would have had you know, to. Yeah, there I, would have only been one of them left to set off the explosion and witness it all. Totally, like I, I am completely stunned that that more than one survived and no one had to like dive on the bomb or whatever to, to blow it up. Like, cause that seemed to be how it was going to be set up, but no, they, they don't do any of that. Or, you know, on works. the walkie talkie, where is it? Where is it? It's behind you. Yeah. Turn around. Right. Right. Bam, bam, Yeah. You know, as it, it, yeah, it does its little, uh, horn blare yeah it's got a very distinct horn which um i i read is apparently the uh morse code for x for whatever reason whether that's a coincidence or intended i, I don't know i mean it's obviously it's a the, the, obviously the horn sound was intended to be specific for the car but whether the significance of that means anything i, I don't know but the end of, you know with the, this it's obviously that they've defeated the the car the car and they've changed their, they've saved their town. But as the credits roll, it shows that the car has, the car, the car has just appeared elsewhere and is, you know, driving around some unnamed city, you know, looking for more victims. Yeah, I'm guessing it must be Los Angeles or something, but it's not like it says. I don't know the layout that well, but it's, it's certainly a more urban environment because it's driving around like a highway um, around much, you know, much larger buildings. Definitely a very different place. So, yes, well, it's clearly established, well, I should say vaguely established that the car 
is in fact a supernatural force, what it was or why it was and what it was up to and its motivations, we're, it's never given an explanation. No. And I think we had talked earlier that what would have been a neat, maybe even, have it have been like when Wade, uh, James Brolin's police officer character would say when he was a rookie, mm-hmm. maybe he was chasing down a speeder or a drunk driver. And the drunk driver ran off the road into the cliff and was killed. And his ghost is seeking vengeance. And right. that would simply explain. Now, I'm not saying that the, the lack of an ex- explanation hurts the movie at all. Because it doesn't. When it comes no. right down to it, it doesn't matter. It does I'd rather have no explanation than a stupid explanation. Totally. Or one that takes, or one that takes like pacing away from the movie to tell. Because usually, right. a lot of times it'll happen like midpoint of the movie, and it's like, did I need to see that? Like, you could have just exposed it, whatever. Um, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm fine with it not taking away from the movie because you're right. It wouldn't have made the movie better. It really wouldn't. Like, knowing what this is for sure, it's not going to make the movie any better. No, because again, you know, you, you would have to explain not only what it was, but why take the form of a car? Right. Right, which gets even worse and, and worse. And then, like, as they're trying to explain, you, well, it won't go after him, but, it, like, as they're trying to go through all the rules, like, it does not help. It wouldn't help this in any way, shape, or form. If, <laughs> if it, it did take the form of a car, why did it take form the form of a custom Lincoln, you right. know, Continental Mark III? Right. You know, again, if, it, if that was, well, that was the car that the guy was driving the night I chased him. And, you know, again, for better or for worse, it's, it's still a fun movie. I think at least in this movie, I think it's for better in like a remake. I can't see them resisting, not do it. And hopefully they would do it well, but I have a hard time believing that you could, you know, let's just briefly bring up and gloss over the in name only spinoff sequel called the car road to vengeance, which also stars Ronnie Cox. But Ronnie Cox plays a different character, and the, the, the movie is completely unrelated to this movie. Yeah, it's one of those, like, sequel to name only at best, yeah. I have not seen it, and from everything I've heard, it's not something I would want to see anyway. You're not missing anything, yeah. Of course, if I ever find it free on one of the streaming services, I am, of course, going to watch it. Sure, why the heck not? But, you know, again, in, in the... And the 70s had a, not only did this period of 1977, not only did you have a bunch of road movies, you had a bunch of Creature on the Loose movies. And this movie just decided, hey, let's mash them both together. Yeah, and it does a pretty good job of that. Yeah, it's fast paced. It's entertainment. You're not really sitting there waiting for anything like, you know, because a lot of, especially these, these, these smaller budgeted, monster movies there's just a long period of like character establishment that just yes. seems boring nothing in this movie seems wasted no it doesn't seem like to, it doesn't feel padded out no it really doesn't it's a it's a it's a well-paced movie and like that's what i'm saying i think some of the omissions that could be takeaways from as in like negative aspects of the movie i I get it, I do, but I, I don't see them as helping the movie if they were done because I just don't know of a way that they could have done it and that it would have actually helped the movie in some way and not just taken away from it at a time, it ruined the pacing, whatever. So yeah, I'm with you. They're just as well to not bother. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just definitely a movie. I think, you know, if, if you, you know, anybody who has enjoyed the movie, most of the movies we talked about, they're obviously, we enjoy it. They'll sure. probably enjoy this one as well. Um, the acting is decent. Yeah. I mean, the characters are likable, which is hard to pull off in a yes. horror movie, especially now. Like contemporary horror movies, basically every character is unlikable and just waiting for them to die. Um, the 70s treated their characters a little bit better, I think. But in this movie, certainly, yeah. I mean, Amos is a is an asshole, but um, for the most part, the characters in this movie are likable. You want them to you want them to survive. Well, yeah. And like even when it comes to Amos, you, you don't like him. Right. He's not objectively evil, I guess. You, yeah. you don't want him to beat his wife. But they don't play him to the point where, oh, I can't wait till the car kills him. Right. Um, and, and like you know, considering what the, the the actors you know were doing for them to keep playing everything here so perfectly straight is commendable. Which is impressive, yeah. Like you watch the movie almost in awe of how straight they're playing this, and I think that has more to do with. You know, this was this came out like a year after I was born, so I had seen mostly contemporary movies up until I saw that one. So it's hard to forget sometimes that like you know certain tropes are older or, or younger rather than you than you realize. So it's a little weird and refreshing to see a movie like this where again the characters are likable and it does things like that. It doesn't over-explain. It just allows you to watch a movie. You know, I, I mean, this was a movie. We saw, I mean, I, I, you were a little young, but I know me and Kristen watched it numerous times. You know, it was, it played a lot it was on, a on lot, TV yeah. on the weekends. And it could because there isn't a lot necessary to edit out of this movie. No, I don't think they hardly swear throughout the movie. No, it's not particularly violent. Well, I mean, it is. With You, you have the car killing people. Yeah, but, yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's more mostly, implied than anything. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's, there's no reveling in the gore. There's no, you know, when when the 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 most vicious murder happens, which is that third victim who's run over and over and over, there's so much dust being thrown up because of the desert, and you don't see just it's all implied, right? So you know this is and and for years growing up, I assumed it was a made-for-TV movie. I don't know why I assumed that, well, but I, I always just felt like it was a made-for-TV movie. It does feel like that. I, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that we only ever saw it on TV, so I think we just assumed. And um, I'll tell you, whenever I would see it was coming on, whether it was, you know, Creature Double Feature, I don't think it ever played on Creature Double Feature, but it was, you know, it would be Things like that. It would be like a matinee movie, yeah. Like, this, yes. was not a, this wasn't a Friday night, like, after dark, you know, turn on the lights and huddle up on the couch type of thing. It was literally, it was played almost like a Godzilla, like, at the same yeah. time, Saturday afternoon. Saturday, you know, weekend afternoon matinee-style movies, right. you know. Oh, the ball games rained out, put the car on. Right. Yeah. Movie for a rained out ball game presents. Yeah. The car. Yeah, this would be this would, this would be a good distraction from that. Totally, um, it's available on Blu-ray through Shout Factory or their Screen Factory imprint. I I should say it's a really good Blu-ray too. Like if you end up falling in love with the movie or at least enough to buy it, like the the Blu-ray is excellent print. And you know, it, it, it's very well cast. Yep, everybody in this movie has been in other things. Oh sure, you know, Several like things, yeah. even 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 the daughters, Kim and Kylie Richards. You know these were these these two young ladies who were not young ladies anymore because they're uh, obviously age, yeah. yeah. 
Um, Kim Richards had been in Escape from Witch Mountain, I think, just before as well. Or, Return, or one of those Witch Mountain movies. She was in the Witch Mountain movies, wasn't she? Uh, I think she was. Was she in both? I'm pretty sure she was in the second one. The second one, okay. Return. But like, you know, as we had established, she was in. Um, um, she was. She was in Assault on Precinct 13 prior yeah. to this. Oh, she'd been in a bunch of things. She'd been acting for six years prior oh, to this. Wow! Wow! She's a veteran actress by this point. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, TV appearances. Um... Oh, so she was in uh, Escape from Witch Mountain. Okay. So that was Escape from Witch Mountain was the first one. That's right. And Return from Witch Mountain. So she was in both. Okay. So we know she survives the first one. She was also in a TV movie that we both fondly remember, though we haven't seen it since it, we originally saw it. Devil Dog, the Hound of Hell. Oh yes, yes, yeah. That's what I. If we ever find that, I gotta watch that again. It's just a great I, name too. I, but we we saw that I believe either directly before, after, or definitely the same week as Invitation to Hell, because that was like the theme of the week, right? Yes, yes. But I can't remember. Um, I I had it on DVD. I actually had it in a three pack. Did you? Of movies. I had I had Grizzly, Day of the Animals, and Devil Dog. And for some reason I can't find Grizzly or Devil Dog. Interesting. I must have lost them during one of my moves. Okay. And Kim Richards was also, of course, in the our favorite Tough Turf <laughs> with uh James Spader and Robert Downey Jr., where those two movie. guys, those two guys met and became lifelong friends. It's a weird. It's a decent movie. It's a weird movie, and you could tell right away that those two guys were going to be. I mean, they're, they're having the ball together. In oh, movie. totally. All right. So, anything else to say about the car? The car? Uh, no. No, not really. I mean, I guess our usual, you know, the recommendations and the and um, you know the Which... the link to the Magnificent Seven, of course. But as far as this movie goes, no, like it's an for what it is, it's a, it's a surprisingly understated movie in a good way. Like I said, it's it's interesting that this they play this entirely straight. You wouldn't see that anymore. I don't think well, anyone would have the balls to try to play to try to do this movie and try to do it straight. No, and again, for all its ridiculousness, it it does work within the contrast you know it's a ridiculous premise so once you've just accepted that it's a ridiculous premise the movie will just work you know right if you if you can't come to terms with the ridiculous premise well then obviously you're just going to be like probably shaking your head at the movie the entire time yeah it's not going to get better yeah and 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 for all of its for all of its flaws um it's not so flawed that you would be like, oh, this will be a laugh a minute type of thing. Like, yeah, either you're with it or you're not. I've seen reviews where where it's where they said it's so bad it's good. I don't see it, and I don't get that. I, yeah, I don't see it. We've seen a lot worse movies. It's, oh hell yeah, it's, it's professionally made. 
Yeah, like you to know, me, to me, so bad it's good is the movie we just did a couple of weeks ago. Um, Treasure of the Four Crowns. Was that the last movie we yes. did? Yeah, Treasure of the Four Crowns. Like that is so bad it's good. That yes. is like we're just going further and further over the top to the point where you have to love this movie. And damn it, that's exactly the that's exactly the reaction I had from Treasure of the Four Crowns. Um, this movie it doesn't do any of that. Like it, it's no, either was... you're either going to be bored because maybe you're you know more of a fan of a more contemporary horror movie where there's a bit more energy to it and more gore and all that and, and that's fine but that's definitely not what this movie is going to give you and if that's what your takeaway is then sure i can understand not liking it but it's not going to be so bad it's good no it's not some cheesy it is what it is value yeah. with with bad acting or bad special effects i mean yeah it's again it's a goofy story with the goofy premise sure and people playing it straight but no this isn't one of those you know this is not a like a, a sharknado or no you know, uh, The Being or any of those other, you know, kind of cheesy horror movies that kind of hit in the 70s. Definitely, yeah. I said that's a good, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, um, recommendations? Recommendations? Uh, I mean, I guess, again, if you wanted to see sort of like a different take, perhaps a more, perhaps the other side, the lighter side, not in that it's funnier or anything, but uh, The Wraith. I mean, I guess the Wraith is like the antithesis of this movie. Um, it's a because the Wraith they actually give you the reason, and presumably it is a the Wraith is like an alien, or maybe a, well, I guess the Wraith is an apt term because that's a spirit of vengeance. But in this case, it's trying to do good in its own it's way. It's funny because, but it's like the opposite of this movie. <laughs> yeah, and if you heard our review, we reviewed the Wraith uh, about a year ago, I would say, but. The Wraith explains it without explaining it either. It, we're still left. There's still some yes, questions yeah. we have about what the deal with the Wraith was. But there is at least more of an explanation, at least for the Wraith's motivations. Right. But like in the Wraith, it's, you know, it's killing off some really reprehensible bad guys that you rather enjoy it, it killing off. Or in this one, it's like, oh, you want them. You want all these guys to survive because the car is evil and you kind of like them. Um. The next would be another movie that we did, although I guess a third or a fourth of the movie that we did, which would be Nightmares, but more specifically The Benediction, which yes. has a very you know similar theme. Um, uh, I, I don't want to take away the rest that I'm assuming you're going to take, but I mean, there's only there's only only so many movies quite like this. Like, there's a lot of like there there are several like you know technology or you know everyday object gone haywire, but none are quite like this. The well, closest I could come to is probably the 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 Benediction, and uh, probably what you're about to say. Or I guess already said. I mean, the obvious comparison is Christine. Yes. You know, a few years later, John Carpenter and Stephen King would get together to create. What is the definitive killer car movie? Christine? For sure, for sure. And uh, you, you will not hear me say that Christine. Um, uh, Christine is the superior movie. Christine sure. is superior to this movie on numerous levels. But you got again when you've got John Carpenter and Stephen King behind it. How could it not be? Yeah, it's also a vastly different movie telling a vastly it, different story. But yeah, it, no, I, really I totally is. hear you. Yeah, despite them both being about demonic cars they are different in 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 most ways you also got again stephen king but this time written and directed by maximum overdrive that's a fun movie i and know that, that movie, movie gets tooled getting... on including by stephen king but i it's just a great movie and has the, the... my favorite acdc song and i'm not going to say anymore because that movie will be getting its own episode on the podcast oh hell yeah 
but another one that I want to put out there, and I mentioned it earlier, was Grizzly. Okay. Which is, again, almost beat for beat Jaws, only it's in, you know, a mountain wilderness with a grizzly bear as opposed to a shark. But it's even right down to, like, I'm not closing down the mountain. Yep. This is camping season, and we can't lose the money that come in from camping season. But we got to stop it because the bear is eating people. Richard Jaco plays the um, Richard Dreyfus character. Christopher George plays the Roy Scheider character. Grizzly is literally, literally Jaws on the mountainside. Okay. Um, I guess we could do some, like, they would probably appear on the edges of the same Venn diagram of this movie. Um, well, the duel, I guess, but I guess the, the duel is different. Um, yeah. But it's, it's fairly evocative of this. Um, but that's... again... In the style of the movie, where it is basically a monster movie, it has more in common with the car, has more in common with Grizzly. For sure. For sure. Or Jaws, like you said. And Jaws, yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I I agree completely. Just, but just, you know, just for the sake of coming up with more, like the next closest thing would be kind of Joyride, kind of? Yeah, Joyride. Joyride is a bit more like Duel, though. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I'm just saying, like, if you if you have like a Saturday afternoon that you want to watch like car themed horror movies, like add that to the list, I guess. But it's a distinctly different movie in many many ways. It's a bit if, more of a car uh, slasher movie, I guess. If you want to make your own carnage marathon, oh, nice. No, don't encourage me. That was no, bad. no. I'm going to use that. I'm using that um, on our Plex playlist. I'm I'm totally using that. You got the car. I have got dual. You've got Christine, you've got uh, Maximum Overdrive, you've got Joyride, and there's actually three Joyride movies. Yeah, and I guess you said the I, I've only seen the first, but you said the sequels are pretty good. The sequels are okay, but the sequels definitely take it more into a slasher film genre. Gotcha. And then, hey, why not just throw in the Death Race movies as well? Right. Sure. Yeah, but now we're getting like way out there. Like Death Race could right. be more different, but to, but I totally like this Carnage playlist. I, I like it. I do. Yeah. I don't uh, know why I didn't think of that. It's like right there. Good for you. No, no, that's uh. It's brilliant, Matt. Own it. I'm going to end up in a punitentiary for that. Oh, nice. Um. All right, so now I guess all that's left is for me to connect this to the Magnificent Seven. Which is pretty easy because James Brolin was in Westworld with Yul Brenner. Right on. And thought... Yul, Yul Brenner is even wearing the same costume he wore in The Magnificent Seven in Westworld. Yes. Um, for half a second, I was really hoping you would somehow connect it via the car, but I, I kind of figured you would. Uh, no, I mean, I. It, I Maybe even do Ronnie Cox, but no. Why? Why go for the roundabout? I actually, I really actually thought it was going to be R.J. Armstrong somehow. R.G. rather Armstrong. That you would go with. Well, again, the first thing that came to me was that James Brolin was in Westworld with Yul Brenner, so I didn't do any more thinking about it. Yeah, totally. So, Although, did you use that for Amityville? We'll have to go back and check the tape. Oh, did I use it for Amityville Horror? I, I, I think you might have. I don't know how else he would have used. All right. Well, then James Brolin was in a movie called High Risk with James Coburn. Okay. All right. 
That's a good save. And that's a, a fun movie. I actually have that in, a, in a, a, a collection of 80s movies. Okay. That's, it's... Yeah, hit us up with that one for a little bit. We'll get time. Go for it. It's not like... Sell it's me. got the same tone as Romancing the Stone. Okay. And that, you know, it's not a romantic movie the way Romancing the Stone has, but James Brolin and three of his friends, James Brolin works for a very high-end safe slash vault making company. Okay. And one of their highest end safes is sent um, to South America to uh, a reputed drug lord. Okay. And so he gets the idea is that I can break into any of these safes we made. This drug lord is obviously going to put his millions and millions of ill-gotten dollars in the safe on his hacienda where he lives. Okay. And he and his, his friends... It's a heist movie. They break into the the guy's, um, you know, compound, steal his money, and most of the movie is them, you know, fleeing across. The, uh, they run afoul of the authorities that are obviously corrupt. There's um, a revolutionary movement in the country, <sighs> which is uh, led by Anthony Quinn. Uh, Anthony Quinn's in this movie as well that want to get the money to fund the revolution. So it's it's a it's it's a fun adventure film. I say it sounds pretty good. It's very enjoyable. Again, a lot of it feels like it was um made for TV in some ways. But if you can find high risk, it's an enjoyable watch. Uh, yeah, absolutely if I happen to see it. That sounds that sounds pretty cool. And James Coburn plays the uh, drug kingpin in that movie. Oh, that could be fun. stealing from. Is so. he? Is he? Is he at his James Colburniest in it? Because that sounds like it'd be a pretty cool role for him to, to watch. Yeah, awesome. yeah, he plays it as the heavy. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, if you find that, let's 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 absolutely check that out. And also, you made me remember. I mean, man, I, I remember. I believe we saw both of them in the theater i remember distinctly seeing at least one of them in the drive-in uh the romancing the stone movies and then jewel of the nile yes well, those are the... both fun movies yeah I, yeah i, I well, really enjoyed especially i forgot about them i forgot about them but i remember liking them an awful lot but i mean it was easy back then when you had just seen like indiana jones and you weren't sure you were gonna get our raiders i guess and you weren't sure you were gonna get more it was a good like um evocative uh it, it was it was a kind of like a not a knockoff but it definitely had like that sort of feel and uh, i remember liking them i remember them being well, good. that's what got the guys to go see it right that was and michael the, douglas and uh, who played? uh kathleen turner kathleen turner okay and the romantic angle got the women to go see it's actually one of those movies that appeals to a very broad you know audience and, and actually does it both. well if i yes. remember right anyway it's been a long time since i see both but i remember them effectively weaving that because i because i saw it as a kid like i mean i saw both of these movies i was pretty young 10 11 you know so i would have been i wouldn't have been interested in seeing any romance like it's fine when it's like in there for a few minutes of whatever movie you know sort of like between marion and uh indy and, and raiders but like it wouldn't have held my interest and i remember those movies being very entertaining for me so it'd be interesting to see them under older eyes i'll have to, I'll have to seek those out yeah, it, it's it's a very fun movie with some great performances by Douglas, DeVito, yeah. Turner, and some great, you know, there's some great lines in it as well. Yep. 
Although somehow we managed to, oh, this is my fault, really, managed to get to romancing the stone from the car. But hey, that's that's how this that's how this podcast. That's works. how we roll. Yep. All right. With that, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Yes, and thank you, hope, everyone, as always. We hope to have you back next time. Absolutely. <laughs>